This is episode 186 and today we are covering the digital marketing updates from the week of November 6th through 10, 2023. First up and the most important update of this week is that Google uh, has shared additional insights on how advertisement is going to work out as we move towards um, uh, cookie-less world which is also you know the deprecation or the removal of third-party cookies. So, uh, as you know, third-party cookies have been uh, pretty much the staple in digital advertising, enabling brands to track users across websites and serve targeted ads. However, they have also raised privacy concerns. Google's research indicates that a staggering 89% of Internet users would trust brands more if they utilized privacy-safe technologies. In response, Google is transitioning to a cookie-less future, emphasizing the importance of first-party data and privacy uh, preserving tools such as the Privacy Sandbox Protected Audience API. This API introduces new techniques to limit constant tracking, such as minimum thresholds for ad targeting and shorter user data storage durations. The shift to first-party data means advertisers will be able to build audience list, but with enhanced AI filling the gaps left by reduced tracking capabilities. Tools like smart bidding and optimized targeting are expected to improve ad relevance using internal algorithms. For instance, optimized targeting has already increased conversions by 50% for some Google Display customers. Additionally, Google is expanding capabilities like customer match, allowing personalized ad targeting based on an advertiser's customer's data, customer data. The, the transition away from third-party cookies is a part of a broader movement towards stronger data privacy protections. While some advertisers are concerned about the potential impact on digital ad revenues, the introduction of alternative targeting and measurement approaches offer a new way forward. For business owners, investing now in automated and consent-based solution is key to adapting to this advertising landscape. And th folks, this is really the important uh, thing to note is that uh, you have to invest in automated and consent-based solutions um, and also you could probably uh, use server-side tagging that will help you overcome some of these uh, loss of third-party cookies and third-party data and basically make them a first-party data. Anyways, in summary, while targeting precision may decrease post-third-party cookie phase-out, the advancements in the first-party data use and AI optimization present viable alternatives for online marketers. Embracing these changes and pre preparing for the cookie-less future is essential for staying ahead in the digital advertising game. Okay, now let's jump into some findings uh, from, you know, documents in antitrust uh, Google's antitrust trial exhibits. So the key documents released during the U.S. Department of Justice antitrust trial involving Google provide insights into Google search ranking processes, which are crucial for business owners to understand in order to optimize their websites for better visibility in Google searches. So the three, the key takeaways are number one, there are three pillars of ranking according to Google's internal documents, not what they are telling us. Um, so Google's search ranking is based on three main factors, the content of the document itself, what the web says about the document, which is uh, links and references and user interactions with the document like clicks and, at and attention on a result. 
Now, one thing I want to point out here is that uh, the part where I said what the web says about the document, links and references. Now, for a long time, Google has been coming out and Google's liaisons have been saying, hey, we backlink is, is not a thing anymore. So I'm not sure how recent this document is because that seems to have a collision with what they, the Google search liaisons uh, such as uh, um, Danny Sullivan and, you know, others have been saying. Uh, nevertheless, it's good to know that, you know, that list at some point in time, Google used to use backlink and maybe they don't use it anymore. I do not know. I'm just, you know, sharing what I has come up into my mind. Next takeaway is that user interaction signals. Google uses various user interaction signals such as clicks, scrolls, and mouse hovers to understand how users interact with search results. This helps them determine the relevance and quality of a document. The third point is uh, Google doesn't fully understand document but relies on how people react to them. Positive reactions suggest good content while negative reactions indicate the opposite. This approach is crucial for sustaining Google's ability to deliver relevant search results. This kind of tells me that the, some of these documents are kind of old because now Google has moved into helpful content update uh, algorithm. The fourth point is Google document mentions 18 aspects of search quality that Google considers, including relevance, page quality, popularity, freshness, and mobile friendliness. This mobile fr uh, freshness actually uh, kind of collides with what Google is saying. It doesn't matter how old the document is as long as it's helpful. Uh, and we're going to get to that later today. Challenge and the fifth point is Google acknowledged the limitations of using click data for ranking as it can be hard to interpret and requires a lot of traffic to draw meaningful conclusion. And the sixth part is that um, Google saying that the Google's document highlights the ongoing attempts to manipulate search results, emphasizing the need for secrecy in Google's search workings to prevent exploitation by SEOs, uh, competitors, and others. So again, you could say, what does that mean for me as a business owner? Well, you need to understand a few things. Number one, your website content body, how it's referenced across the web uh, until further notice, uh, you know, and how users interact with it, which is user interactions, are all vital for your search site search rankings. Ensure that your website content is high quality and relevant, uh, and this not only appeals to your audience, but also aligns with how Google assesses and ranks your content. User interactions are a significant factor. Pay attention to how users engage with your site and continuously improve their experience. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. But for now, I think this should be enough for you to uh, think about. Okay. Next up. Now, Google's Chrome team is claiming that the core web vitals have saved uh, about 10,000 hours in load times. Uh, so it looks like every second counts. And, you know, Google went out and did this experiment that says, you know, we've done this and, you know, based on all the, you know, improvement people have made, we have saved 10,000 hours, uh, 10,000 years, I apologize, 10,000 years in page load time in 2023 alone. So just in one year, and the year is not over done yet. And what they're saying is that uh, currently over 40% of the websites meets the core web vitals thresholds, indicating that there is still room for improvement. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with core web vitals, just know that it's a set of metrics developed by Google to measure the user experience on the web pages. These include LCP, which tracks load time, first input delay, measuring responsiveness, INP, interaction to next paint, next paint um, assessing overall responsiveness, and cumulative layout sh shift, CLS, which gauges visual stability. 
these are the, by focusing on these metrics, websites can sim- significantly enhance user experiences. With that, let's jump on to the next one. Uh, the next one is Go- uh, John Mueller has given some tips on how to improve a website speed, especially when you have done everything you can do, and like you know, such as compressing your images uh, and uh, other stuff, and still not you know making a dent into your PSI score. So, um, what is PSI? With Google's Page in Insights scores evaluates. Uh, this is a tool that evaluates web pages' loading speeds and provides a score from zero to one hundred, along with recommendations for enhancements. Uh, for anyone involved in managing a website, understanding and improving these scores is vital for both SEO and user experience. And what he's saying is that emphasize. He, John Mueller, is saying you know focus on optimizations where they are needed the most. If your website's page speed is already reasonable, obviously extensive work may not be necessary. However, improvements are needed. Um, Mueller suggests, advises making a copy of the actual page, removing the elements you have already optimized, and trying out. Uh, changes on the rest. This step-by-step selective process helps identify and address the real limiting factor affecting your website's performance. Now, this is kind of leaning more towards the land of technical SEO, technical marketing. So I wouldn't expect someone who is uh, unfamiliar with uh, HTML and performance uh, tuning to do this. Uh, you should definitely seek out a reputable agency or an expert to do this for you. But um, this is something I thought you should know, which is, you know, just because you get a low score and you've compressed images and you should just uh, resign to the fact that, oh, we cannot improve it. Maybe there are other things that an expert can do uh, that you haven't thought of and kind of see if you can make it uh, come closer to 100. Okay, uh, Google has uh, updated the page experience report in Search Console. Uh, they are aiming to provide more holistic view of page experience as part of content creation process. Uh, the page exp- the new page experience report now f- offers an inform- informational page with links to relevant reports, making it easier for site owners to understand and improve their web page performance. This change is part of Google's ongoing effort to evolve its understanding of page experience, which now encompasses more than just core web vitals and HTTPS. Um, next up is, let me see... Google shares how, you know, uh, Google's Dan, Danny Sullivan shares how they take your feedback and our feedback and pass it back into the uh, Google's SEO team. And again, this is nothing really out art shattering and you know there isn't really much going on it's just like Danny Sullivan went on to Twitter or by the way X which was previously known as Twitter and kind of share okay here's how we take your input and pass it on to the team and then they work on it Uh, one thing uh, Sullivan did talk about and I should touch on is that you know he talked about an idea of having a helpful content tool a potential future feature that could help website owners understand what Google considers valuable content this could be obviously this could tool would be a game changer uh, for businesses struggling to align their content with Google's guideline. However, it's something uh, up in the air. He hasn't really said if it's going to happen or not, but he did allude to it that maybe we should do something like that. Uh, And 
you know, his documents and the internal documents he shared also debunked the myth that certain SEO tactics like using schema recipe sites directly boost rankings. Uh, and this was something covered even last episode. You should go listen to it if you haven't done that. And Sullivan's insights suggest that while these elements are important, they're not the sole factors in determining other sites' ranking. In summary, Google's approach to SEO feedback is a dynamic process that involves constant evaluation and adaptation. For business owners, this means staying informed and adaptable is the key to maintaining a strong online presence. Okay, next up is Meta. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, has announced several updates to their lead generation campaign, which are particularly relevant for this upcoming holiday season. The updates aim to enhance direct engagement and streamline the lead generation process, making them vital for businesses looking to capitalize on the holiday rush. One of the key updates is the expansion of Meta's lead objective to Facebook and Instagram ads that initiate a WhatsApp chat. This feature allows businesses to tap into the growing trend of direct messaging for customer engagement with more people preferring DMs over public social media posts. This updates this update offers a new avenue to connect with potential customers directly and personally. So even if you're not using Meta ads, this is something for you to know. Maybe, you know, you can take this knowledge and apply to other channels, whether it's LinkedIn or um, Google or YouTube. Now you could say, hey, how do I do this? Uh, maybe you have to build uh, custom solutions and with the, with the AI-driven world we live in, it might be much easier than you think. The other thing you want to know is Meta is also testing a new instant ad form ad format. This format allows users to submit their information to multiple business related business at once, increasing convenience for customers and exposure for businesses. For example, someone signing up for a bridal hair, hair trial can simultaneously share the contact information with a related business like nail salons. And the other thing you want to know about is uh, Meta is uh, introducing a question and answer flow in Instagram direct ads where businesses can offer coupons to customers who engage with the flow. This not only incentivizes customer interactions but also drives sales by offering discounts on future purchases. And obviously this would mean that you, you, the user, are going to spend more time on the platform, Instagram. Okay, lastly, Meta is testing full campaign automation for lead generation campaign. This feature utilizes AI to manage various campaign elements, including targeting, creative content placements, and budget. While it may take time for businesses to trust AI with these aspects, the potential for streamlined, efficient campaign management is significant. In conclusion, these updates from Meta offers innovative ways to enhance lead generation and customer engagement. As a business owner, staying updated and adapting to these changes can significantly impact your holiday marketing strategy and overall business growth. Last update of the week is that LinkedIn has made an announcement that starting December 14, 2023, which is about a month from now, uh, LinkedIn will remove all carousel posts and profile videos. This change is noteworthy because carousel posts have been a popular feature for engaging audience with multiple images or slides in a single post. LinkedIn introduced carousel posts in July last year, allowing users to upload PDFs with each page as a separate slide. This 
feature gained popularity due to its interactive and engaging format. However, LinkedIn has decided to discontinue this feature along with profile videos which were added in 2021 but did not gain as much traction. Additionally, the ability to embed clickable links within images or videos will also be deactivated. While the content itself will remain, the interactive links will no longer function. This update is significant for businesses that rely on LinkedIn for marketing engagement. Carousel posts in particular have been effective in generating high level of user interactions. With their removal, businesses will need to adapt their content strategies on LinkedIn. The platform suggests reverting to the previous method of creating carousels by uploading PDFs, but this this might not offer the same level of engagement as the native carousel feature. For those who have used these features extensively, LinkedIn offers a solution to retrieve their content. Users can, co- users can contact LinkedIn at content support at linkedin.com by December 11 to request a copy of their profile video or files from their carousel posts. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. This is your host, Islam, signing off. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.